truth is hard. And I think if you have experienced a measure of death in your life by your choices, you understand that language. This is Chapter, Verse, and Season, a lectionary podcast from Yale Bible Study. Join us each week as Yale Divinity School professors look at an upcoming text from the Revised Common Lectionary. I'm your host, Natalie Owens-Pike, Yale Divinity School MDiv Class of 2023. In this episode, we have Joanne Jennings, Director of the Black Church Studies Program at Yale Divinity School, and Bill Gettler, Associate Dean for Ministerial and Social Leadership and Lecturer in Parish Leadership and Church Administration at Yale Divinity School. They'll be discussing Romans chapter 6, verses 12 to 23, which is appointed for the fifth Sunday after Pentecost in year A. Let's listen in. Romans chapter 6, verses 12 through 23. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies so that you obey their desires. No longer present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life and present your members to God as instruments of righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. What then? Should we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you, who were slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the form of teaching to which you were entrusted, and that you, having been set free from sin, have become enslaved to righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and lawlessness, leading to even more lawlessness— So now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. When you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. So what fruit did you then gain from the things of which you now are ashamed? The end of those things is death. But now that you have been freed from sin and enslaved to God, The fruit you have leads to sanctification, and the end is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. All right, Bill, I'm going to start with this particular passage. It is a passage that starts as a result of what's said earlier in Romans 6. And I think the thrust of the early verses in Romans 6 remind us that because of Christ's resounding victory over sin and death, really, there are some choices that are ours. And I like that because we're given a choice of doing this or the other. And once again, even in the family of God, we are constantly given the power to choose. 
And so I hear in this voice, the choice is yours. You're going to present yourself to God or you're going to present yourself to those things that are unlike God. That choice is yours. It's a choice you can make today, tomorrow, every day, but it's an ongoing choice for us what we choose to do. Should we choose, you know, to live in ways in which we present ourselves to God? I wonder what you think that means. I sometimes like to think that in Christ we have settled our relationship with God. And and here is Paul reminding us that, no, we're still working out our relationship with God, even after we have been transformed by the good news of Jesus Christ. Simply living in grace doesn't free us from the power and presence of a broken world. We still reside there. And that means that we're always in a bit of a struggle, continually trying to turn toward the light. But, you know, the gloom seems so appealing. (laughs) It can, but the choice is ours. And the fact that we can choose is given us because of what Christ has already done. So the power to make the right choice is not sort of tied up in me. It's really there because of the work of Christ. I can choose, and I can choose well because of Christ's choice. That is empowering and somewhat freeing because it means that it's not really on me to do the right thing. It's really because of Christ alive in me, I can make the right choice. And it's an ongoing choice, as you say, because the tensions in us to choose otherwise are great for so many reasons. Because sometimes we like to do things that we Mm -hmm. shouldn't do. That's just the reality. Paul doesn't make it easy to read in a chapter like this one, I think. And, And further, he's talking about slavery and freedom here. Those are concepts that had meaning in his culture, and they have very real and important meaning in history in our culture. Yes. It's almost impossible to talk of freedom and slavery in useful terms in American culture because of our nation's original sin. And Paul is not talking about the American story here, Mm -hmm. but I don't know how you read this text without also hearing echoes of that story. So, So perhaps simply to name that and to recognize that Paul's writing out of a particular cultural moment— and that we have lived through another another one, we are living through another one, is, is an important piece in engaging a text like this. And to realize that not only are we thinking of the American story, but I, I heard a statistic a few days ago about the numbers of people around the world yeah. who are currently enslaved, a large number of them being children. So, it, it makes the, the text somewhat alive for us because we have current pictures of what it means to experience, you know, the loss of freedom. And in some ways, it perhaps can motivate us to know that we do want then to live in freedom, in a freedom that is ours as we continue to offer ourselves to God because of the cost of slavery. We can see the ongoing cost of slavery in this society, but as we're looking around the world, we are seeing the ongoing cost of slavery. So it's almost as if we could say, as Paul says, well, how much more then do we now want to live a life that offers us a measure of freedom? And we can do that as we make a choice regularly 
to offer ourselves to God as God's instruments in this world. And we do that, he says, by presenting ourselves as instruments of righteousness. Mm. That your energy and intelligence and imagination and love might be used on behalf of all that is holy. Because when those gifts are misdirected, trouble follows. God does offer us that ongoing space to determine how it is that we will shape our lives. Mm -hmm. The pastor I had when I was in college at Oakwood Wesleyan Church, he is now 100, still on Facebook, was sharing things. But I can see a picture of him. He would just all of a sudden start singing, Oh, to be thy hand extended, reaching out to those oppressed. Let me reach up. Let me touch Jesus so that others may know and be blessed. And it's a picture that I often carry with me because I recognize that he could see that as I lean into Christ's finished work, I then am empowered to reach my hand out in God's name, to those around me. And, and it's, it's that picture that, that I often come to, not just because his presence and his you know, a visual picture was so powerful, but I, I hear him singing those words, oh, to be thy hands extended. And for my hands to be extended, then I need to constantly draw on the finished work of Christ. Mm-hmm. And then he ends this passage, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. How do you not hear that as threatening language? That's a hard line to preach. It is, but truth is hard. And I think if you have experienced a measure of death in your life by your choices, you understand that language. When you when you talk Well, you can think of your own life and you think of some of the choices you have made, which have not been life-giving, that you have some regret over. You can understand that while you would not have wanted to hear that, it may have helped you avoid some things that now you still regret. I think the gift to all of us is to have people in our lives who speak these kinds of hard truths. To say, I love you, I see what you're doing, and what you're doing is not producing life for you. Thank you for listening. And thank you to our professors for your insights on the scripture. The transcript of this audio and lots more Bible study resources are available at YaleBibleStudy.org. Chapter, Verse, and Season is a production of the Center for Continuing Education at Yale Divinity School and is produced by creator and managing editor Joel Baden, production manager Kelly Morrissey, associate producer Aidan Stoddart, executive producer Helena Martin, and me, your host, Natalie Owens-Pike. Mixing on today's episode and our theme music are by Calvin Linderman. We'll be back with another conversation from chapter, verse, and season.